For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com marathon. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on the Twitter machine at Joe Orico 99 That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. You guys never miss any of my content. If you're following over there, you get these podcasts, my articles, all my Twitter threads. Everything is over in one place on Twitter. So I'd really appreciate you guys checking us out over there. We're going to be doing what we usually do today if you guys are new to the show. I doubt there's too many new listeners coming into Fantasy Podcasts at this time of year. But if you guys are new, I'll give you a quick rundown of what we do. We look back on yesterday's top performers, usually the top 7 to 10-ish players from yesterday. Then we will go ahead and look at the waiver wire, see who's being added, who is being dropped. We are in crunch time. It is the playoffs for some people, and especially in daily changes leagues, uh, you guys need to be knowing who are the hot players to be adding and dropping. So we'll go through that. We will also take a look at a couple of matchups for tonight. Usually what I do is I give you guys one matchup that really stands out to me pitching-wise that I think is going to be worth watching. Tonight we're not really, it's not a bad night, I don't think, but it's a bit of a shorter slate and there's nothing that really particularly stands out. But we'll still go through a couple of these uh, matchups. There's one or two that are a little bit interesting. No Cy Young contending uh, battles like we've seen over these last couple of weeks uh, periodically. There's been some really good matchups tonight. A little bit of a thinner evening, but we will still go through a couple of them. First off, though, let's talk about some of yesterday's top performers. Cole Irvin was the highest scoring player in points leagues and really in any league. Yesterday, he was one of the top performers. Seven innings pitched. He struck out 11 batters and only allowed three hits against Miami. I was big on Cole Irvin. I've been big on him for a little while there, and he started to see his roster percentage fall after a couple of suspect outings against Houston and Seattle. Five earned runs in each outing. A total of three combined strikeouts. Now, I wasn't too worried about this. He was due for a little bit of regression. He'd been on a serious hot streak. And that hot streak had come while he'd been facing the likes of Houston three times, Toronto, the Yankees. So he was due for a little bit of a bump. That being said, he really got back on track last night. And he was dropped in a lot of leagues leading up to yesterday. And he saw his roster percentage fall below 50 over on Yahoo!, He's still a good pitcher rest of the season for me. Now, there's a few things that we have to look at. The strikeouts, 11 strikeouts, fantastic. It's not something you can rely on from Cole Irvin. He's not going to be a guy who's going to give you typically more than five, maybe six strikeouts. There's been a couple of outliers this season. He had eight strikeouts back on July the 22nd, and now here he had 11. 
typically you're looking at four, five, maybe six, if you're lucky, strikeouts from Cole Irvin. So he's not somebody that you can add and say, okay, he's going to be giving me consistently high strikeout numbers the rest of the season. It's just not going to be the case. He pitches for Oakland, so wins are going to be kind of hard to come by. We saw it yesterday. He did not secure the victory. Only six on the season in 142 and a third innings. But the counting stats, specifically the ratios, have been really solid for him. A 316 ERA, 1.03 whip. I'm not so concerned about those wins. It's definitely a factor, and it's definitely something that I do look at when I'm evaluating who I should be adding, who I should be dropping. But Cole Irvin is somebody who has performed exceptionally well now going back for a couple of months. Yes, there's obviously been a couple of not great starts in there, but other than those two outings where he gave up five earned runs, the previous two starts, Seattle and Houston, you'd have to go back all the way to June 29th to find another outing where he'd given up more than two earned runs. So yes, he's not giving you so many strikeouts on your night-to-night basis. This was a total blip on the radar here. You'll still take it, especially if you're in the playoffs, you'll absolutely take this kind of outing. Uh, an absolute godsend of a stream if you picked him up for yesterday. Just don't be expecting this kind of production. You can expect really song five, six inning outings. He pitches in a very friendly home ballpark for pitching. So that's something that also gives him a little bit of a boost. As a whole here, I'm still in on an ad. Most leagues, 12 teams are deeper. I think that Cole Irvin can be a solid ad. At the very least, I think that he can be a really good streamer down the stretch here. But don't be afraid to keep him on your roster. He has been really good for the last couple of months now. No reason to think that he can't keep it up. And the last point there is that he's done it against a really high level of competition for the most part here. A couple of starts against the Angels and Texas mixed in there, but a good chunk of them against Toronto, New York, and Houston. So I'm all in on Cole Irvin. I think that he is really a solidly underrated pitcher here, worthy of an ad uh, in, in most formats here if he's still available. Let's talk about Nathaniel Lowe. He is somebody who is also pretty undervalued. He had a crazy day yesterday. Three for six. He scored... Uh, Three runs, he knocked in five. He had a triple and a home run. 36 points in a Yahoo Points League. That is solid. What he's done for the season is 20 home runs, 62 RBIs, and a 295 batting average. That is pretty damn solid production from a guy who is only rostered in 69% of leagues. Now, 69% is still most leagues, most competitive leagues. Nathaniel Lowe is not going to be available there. No question. But 69% is not 80, 85%. We've seen it. Even with a guy like Von Grisham recently, uh, he's already up to close to 80%, I believe. Uh, Let's take a look. 72%. So it's not as if those other leagues are inactive where he's not rostered. They're just not picking him up for one reason or another. And maybe they're in a league where they only have one first baseman slot. That kind of thing would be understandable. But Nathaniel Lowe has produced pretty much consistently the entire season across four categories. Runs, home runs, RBIs, and batting average. Two steals is obviously not going to be a strength of his, but he did steal eight bases last year. So can he give you maybe a couple more down the stretch here? I think it's totally possible. It's not why you'd be adding him, but I think that you can get some solid production really everywhere except for steals. First base is kind of a crowded position. Uh, We talked about it throughout the season here, and I think even in the preseason, one of the show titles that I had was asking the question, is first base the most crowded position in fantasy? Typically, that distinction will go to outfield, and I guess outfield because it's three positions would technically be the most crowded. But in terms of an individual one position, first base is really deep. So maybe Nathaniel Lowe is not on those 10-team, one first baseman squads. Even there, I think he could still have some value. But once you start expanding upon that in any way, whether it be multiple corner infield slots, multiple utility slots, or anything of that nature, or it's just a deeper league, 12, 14, 15, whatever teams, I think Nathaniel Lowe is pretty close to a must-roster player. 69%, there's still going to be some leagues where you can find him. 
Uh, I think that he is a really solid guy to plug in there. Let's talk about Andrew Heaney for a second, and I have to do a little bit of a mea culpa here because Andrew Heaney has actually been really good these last few starts. I was not on board at all. I haven't been on board with Andrew Heaney at all in his career, really, and maybe I should have been moving into Los Angeles here. I just I didn't buy into it, and at this point, it's looking like I have been incorrect. 41 and two-thirds innings, 62 strikeouts, a 194 ERA, and a 101 whip. Yesterday, for Heaney, it was six innings, a victory against Milwaukee, 10 strikeouts, two earned runs, uh, one walk, and four base hits allowed. Now, Andrew Heaney, uh, I just, I still, there's still caution in me when I talk about him just because of all these years of watching him be really a mediocre pitcher. He's never been somebody to write home about, to really pay too much attention to, or to even really bother rostering in fantasy. At this point, though, he has a solid rotation spot with the Dodgers. They've had injuries in the rotation. He's going to be starting once every fifth day for the best team in baseball, or at very worst, maybe the second best team in baseball. But I mean, it's pretty hard to say that they're not the best team right now. And regardless of that, he has been producing. So I, I hesitate to say, yes, go out there and add him if you still can, because I feel like it's there is going to be one of those starts. Like It just reminds me of what Dylan Bundy did at the beginning of the season, where he was really cruising for maybe a month or so. And it was like every start was one earned run, or it was shutout ball. And he was really cruising, and a lot of people were adding him. He looked like he might have turned it around. And then there was one outing, I forget who it was against. The Red Sox, maybe, or I honestly don't remember, but he allowed like nine earned runs in like an inning and a third, or something really bad like that. And I feel like that's kind of what we're waiting for here. Like It's like a piano waiting to fall on your head when you're rostering Andrew Heaney. I just don't have a ton of faith. Now, at this point, he has earned himself a roster spot on most leagues, and a lot of people are going to be adding him. He's up to 64% rostered over on Yahoo, and I'm not so opposed to it. The strikeouts are so elite. The wins are going to be there. It's just that blow-up risk, and you all you will be taking that risk with Andrew Heaney. There is no question that he is a volatile guy. Uh, this has been a great season for him, but even on you know guys like Martin Perez, another guy who's had kind of an out-of-the-blue great season, it doesn't mean that you can't see some bad outings here and there. There have been a couple of bad ones from, from Perez. There's been a couple of bad ones from really everybody. And we haven't seen that so, so much with Andrew Heaney. A couple of less than impressive starts. Uh, when he first came back, Kansas City start was not great. Milwaukee start uh, before he gave up some home runs. This time out was the first time he looked really, truly dominant. I know he struck out 10 in his previous outing, but he allowed, I think, three home runs. So it's hard to give him that dominant uh, moniker there when that's the kind of performance that you have. But here yesterday, he was really, really strong. Uh, he is going to be one of the better strikeout pitchers available. So if that is one of your weaknesses, if you are looking to add to your Ks down the stretch, Andrew Heaney is a decent bet. But just be forewarned that there may be a start here where he just gets absolutely obliterated. And then we're all like, of course, it's Andrew Heaney. Of course, he got obliterated. It was just bound to happen at some point. So yes, he is a valuable ad, I think, at this moment. But at the same time, it's a, it's a volatile ad, to say the least here. Let's talk about Shane McClanahan just for a quick second. He had a really good outing yesterday. He did not give up any earned runs for the first time, dating back to June the 9th. Now, most of those starts in there had, had been one earned run, two earned runs. But recently, we've seen five and four and walk numbers of two and three and mostly three here. Uh, three of his last four games leading into this one, he'd walk three batters. Yesterday, it was just one walk, no earned runs, nine strikeouts. He did his job against the Angels. Obviously, the Angels are a team that he should be doing his job against. But I think it is worth noting that McClanahan's ERA for the season is still 
a few elite outings here down the stretch, he can get it sub two. It is possible. It is going to be tricky now that he's got 147 innings under his belt. He can still lower it a little bit. I think he can get into that two range. And now I declare Justin Verlander our Cy Young winner yesterday. That may be premature. I don't know. It's really, honestly, speculation at this point. I think it will be Verlander. I think that the voters will go for him based on the fact that he has been one of the best, if not the best, pitchers in baseball for like a 15-year span. This is going to be one of his last seasons in baseball. Maybe, who knows? Maybe this will be his last season. I, I think we'll probably see another one. Maybe it is. There will be some people who vote for him strictly on the legacy aspect, and there will obviously be others who vote for him based on the talent aspect and what he's done this season. Verlander has been ridiculous. But Shane McClanahan, for the vast majority of the season, has been just as good, if not better than Verlander, with some flashier strikeout numbers to boot. So I don't think it's totally wrapped up here. I think McClanahan still has a chance. If you're looking at the betting odds, he's like plus 1,000. He's like, I don't understand how it's so wrapped up in their minds. And that was going back like a, a few weeks now, a couple of weeks it's been. Verlander, the very heavy favorite. And I think Verlander should be the favorite. But I do think that McClanahan is not, not out of the race yet. I think there's still a chance that he can uh, sneak in here and possibly possibly win the Cy Young down the stretch. He's definitely pitched well enough to earn it throughout the course of the season. If he has a really dominant finish here, maybe Verlander isn't so strong, then I could see McClanahan getting it. Uh, Verlander's still my favorite, but Shane, really great job seeing him get back on track here yesterday. Let's talk about George Kirby. He's been one of my priority ads for a while now, and he showed us why again yesterday. It was against the Nationals, so take it with a grain of salt if you like, but it's just a pattern of him going deep in game, striking out batters. So seven innings, eight hits, one earned run, of course, zero walks because it's George Kirby, and nine strikeouts. The very impressive part here is that he did it on 85 pitches. Seven innings, that kind of line, 85 pitches. For the season now, he's got 97 and two-thirds under his belt, 102 strikeouts a 332 ERA, and a 1.20 whip. Now, that whip is a little bit higher than maybe it should be just because he's allowing more hits than the average than the average pitcher is. Now, it gets offset by the fact that he doesn't really walk anybody. But George Kirby is well on his way to being a legitimate ace, and he's still only 57% rostered over on Yahoo. It's disrespectful at this point, I think. Uh, I don't know why he would be rostered less than, I think that he might even be rostered less than like a Reed Detmers right now. Uh, let's see. No, Reed Detmers has fallen back down to 50. Case in point, I guess. But George Kirby needs to be rostered in more than 57% of leagues. He's just one of those guys who is really a potential league winner, and I I don't even like using that term here. But if he's still sitting around in your standard 12-team league, he's definitely an upgrade over one of your arms there. Any given given league, I can almost guarantee, in a 12-teamer or deeper, and arguably even a 10-teamer or deeper, that George Kirby is going to be a superior arm than one of your players. Maybe it's not even a, a pitcher you're going to be dropping. Maybe it's a position player that you're just fed up with. Or maybe you're one of those people who's still been holding on to Walker Bueller for whatever reason. Now, it's likely if you're still holding him, he's in an injured slot. But we do our daily check-in on Walker Bueller's roster percentage, and it's still as of yesterday. We haven't checked today, but it was over 50 yesterday. So maybe you are in one of those leagues where there's no IL slots. You've been holding out for whatever miracle. Well, he had Tommy John the other day, if you guys did not hear. He's done. If that is a swap you can make, really, for anybody with Bueller at this point. But specifically, if you can get your hands on George Kirby, I'm all for it. I've really loved what he's done recently. He is going to be drafted next year as an ace. I've seen a lot of people talking about it uh, in the last couple of days on Twitter about where he would be drafted, where they rank him amongst starting pitchers. And I think for 
most people he's going to be a, like a consensus top 50 draft pick next season. Top 50, top 60 draft pick. His, his value has shot up recently. Uh, I didn't think it would be quite that high, but seeing where other people in the industry have been talking about him, I think it's completely within the realm of possibility that we see him go somewhere in round five or round six of your standard 12-team drafts. Uh, absolutely a must-roster player. There's no excuse for him still being available in so many leagues. It just, it just shouldn't be the case. Let's spend just a minute or two here talking about Jose Barrios. We got the good version of him yesterday. Thankfully, it was six innings, six strikeouts, two earned runs, one walk, and five hits allowed. It's two consecutive good outings here for Jose Barrios. The good thing is they happen at Yankee Stadium and at Fenway Park. Now, this is just who Jose Barrios has been. The previous start against Cleveland was eight earned runs in four innings, and he's just been so volatile this season. It's good to see him have a couple of good starts in a row, but are we trusting him yet? Well... I think there might be some reason to believe that we should be starting him coming up at least into next week. He's scheduled as of right now for a two-start week with the opponents being the Cubs and the Pirates. It's as juicy as you can possibly expect. A lot of playoffs are going to be underway by next week. And that is a start or a two-start week there where you should really be thinking about starting him. Not even thinking about I think that you should be starting him. There is obviously risk associated. He could go out in both of those games and have poor performances, terrible performances, and I wouldn't be shocked, and I don't think you guys would be either. But you have to take the chance, I think, when there's two starts, he's on a bit of a roll, and they're terrible opponents. Like, really, really, it, you could not ask for a better two-start week. Maybe if you switch out the Cubs for the Nationals, maybe that would be a better week. But this is, like, pretty pretty close to ideal for Jose Barrios. For the most part, I'm, I'm more cautious about him, but I think for next week, He's definitely somebody that you should consider adding. He's not going to be really available anywhere, I don't think. I haven't checked in on his roster percentage, actually, in a couple of weeks. Uh, let's see how many people. 85% rostered. So not many leagues where he's going to be available. Maybe there's going to be a, a couple of competitive leagues. Just breeze over the wire and see if he is available. For me, there are no leagues where he is currently available, but that's definitely a, a situation where you'll take the chance, I think. Those two starts, those great matchups doesn't come without its nerves that it puts in your stomach there, but I think that there is definitely a reason to believe in an ad for next week of Jose Barrios. And if you already have him, then I would be starting him. It's risky, yes. It makes my it literally like gives me goosebumps to talk about starting Jose Barrios, especially in a two start week. But it's a really, really attractive matchup. Let's move on now to our waiver wire portion of the show where I'll just go through some of the more added and draw players across leagues today. The number one ad that I'm seeing is Brandon Hughes. He's gone up from about 2% rostered last week to about 12% this week. And he has three saves over this last week, over his last four and a third innings, six strikeouts, three saves. He's also given up a run in the middle of that uh, there against Milwaukee. He pitched a third of an inning, allowed a run on the 21st. But he is getting some chances now. Now, I've talked about this uh, between him and Rowan Wick. What do we really do? I'm trying to avoid it if possible because I do think they will go back and forth between these guys I haven't heard anything about them giving the reins to Hughes. Uh, I think this is more platoon, and I'm trying trying to stay away if possible. There are leagues where you really desperately need saves. Maybe you had Josh Hader. Uh, maybe you had Dominguez go down, and you really just need to get any kind of saves that you can. There, maybe you take a chance on one of these guys, but it's hard to say which one you'd even prefer. Like right now, as of right now, probably Hughes. But as of tomorrow, it could literally be Wick again, and we'd have no way of knowing that in advance. Uh, it's a situation similar to the Rays, where if you have the luxury of being able to avoid it, I would. 
If I had to say right now, you have to pick one or the other, I'd honestly say Wick. I don't think that this is going to stay with Hughes. I don't. I, I, they've used Wick as a closer now, going back to last year periodically. I just think they have more faith in him, and they'll probably use him more down the stretch. I could be wrong, but that is currently where I sit. Lars Newbar, he's also being added quite a bit. He hit another home run yesterday. And over the last month, when I was talking with Britton Allen yesterday, when I was on his show, it has not aired yet. It has not been posted. But we were talking about Lars Newbar over the last month. Only Juan Soto has a higher walk rate. That's a cool little stat there. Obviously, Newbar has one of the coolest names in, in the history of sports, really. Like, obviously, right now, he has the coolest name in sports. But if you look at, like, the entire history, I think that he's definitely right up there as well. And his production recently has been fantastic. Over the last month, he has scored 20 runs. He's knocked in 14, hit four home runs, stolen two bases, and he's batting over 300. Now, Lars Newbar typically is batting first against right-handed pitching, and he's batting ninth against left-handed pitching. So he is definitely somebody in a daily changes league, has a ton of value there. When he is leading off, you stick him in. When he's in the ninth hole, maybe you set him. Maybe depending on matchup, you'd still start him. But I think that that is definitely more of a, or he is definitely more of a daily changes guy. At this point... The way he's performing, you're likely going to stick him into a weekly lineup next week, or maybe you did already for this week, and that is totally fair. I just think that his best use, the most valuable way that you can roster him is in daily changes, where you do have that luxury to switch him around. Dakota Hudson is being added as the number one streamer for today. That goes to show you the quality of the pitching that we have going on today. Dakota Hudson is not a recommended stream here for me. He is facing the Cubs, which is a great matchup, but Dakota Hudson, he really doesn't do anything for you. Six victories in 114 innings. Not great, just about all right, but for pitching for a good team, you like that's like Cole Irvin. It's very similar to what Cole Irvin's done for the, the shitful Oakland Athletics. So in 114 innings here for the Cardinals, you would have hoped for maybe a little bit more. 66 strikeouts in those 114 innings. That is dreadful. A 433 ERA and a 142 whip. He's just not got it done this season. A division rival here that likely knows his arsenal very well. I'm not really convinced here that we need to be streaming in Dakota Hudson. In fact, I'm more on the other side of I don't think that this is a move that makes much sense at all. Albert Pujols, again, continues to be added, and I don't think we need to keep going on and on about Pujols. I've talked about him every day this week. He's definitely still an add, more of a daily changes guy as well when he's in there against lefties. He has been getting at bats against righties a little bit recently, but I'm still more of a daily changes guy for him. He was at 39% yesterday. He's up to 44%. I'm interested to see where we end the season with Albert Pujols. Will he be a guy who's like 70% rostered? That would be something cool to see. I'm not sure we will, but I think it's definitely possible. Marco Gonzalez is also being added up for his start today against Cleveland. Another guy who's in that kind of Dakota Hudson range. Low strikeouts, the ratios don't really make up for it. He's got eight wins in his 134 innings, which is pretty similar to what Dakota Hudson's done, six and 114 innings. Just not really a guy that I'm going to have so much faith in or interest in today. I'd probably be avoiding a stream if possible uh, for today. Patrick Sandoval, he's also a guy who's been added up a little bit. He's facing Tampa Bay. Now, his last start was a shutout against Detroit. Nine innings, nine strikeouts. He was great. Uh, we expected him to be great in that matchup. And if he wasn't great there, then we would have asked ourselves, is there any point really holding on here? But Patrick Standoval is still a plus strikeout guy. He obviously struggles with the, the walks and the control a little bit, but he has a 3.14 ERA. And those four wins, we can't really hold it against him so much. Yes, it's not going to help you so much from a fantasy point of view, but what he's done this year, he's actually been very solid. Aside from the walks, that's really the main complaint. And when I have people saying, should I drop him? I'm usually saying no. Uh, the walks are bad, yes, but they're offset by a lot of other good things. So 
I think that he's a decent streamer today. He's probably going to be your your most viable streamer today if you can still get him. Likely not by the time you guys hear this, but I think that he is one of the more solid options that we have going today. Jamison Tyone is another one of those guys. He is facing Oakland in Oakland, and I think that he makes for a decent little streamer. He's definitely not been as solid in the second half of the year as he was in the first half, but the Oakland matchup, the Yankees, uh, in fact, that's in the Coliseum. He's someone that I'm fairly comfortable with tonight as well. Overall, my advice for today is to just stay away from the streams. I don't think there's that many guys who are really going to be that valuable here. But if I was going to say you had to pick like one guy, probably Sandoval and then probably uh, Jamison Tyone right after there. Let's talk about some drops. The number one drop today after his poor starting or his poor start yesterday was Blake Snell. He allowed six runs and three and a third against the Guardians. I'm not going to be dropping Blake Snell. I think this is really premature. There might be some people who are just pissed off because, you know, they're in the playoffs or whatever and they dropped him out of spite. But recently he has been what he what he was last year, the second half Blake Snell, where he has turned into one of the better pitchers in baseball. Uh, we saw it down the stretch last season. We're seeing it so far down the stretch this season. A couple of rough outings here. Obviously, Washington and Cleveland, you'd hope for more. I'm not at the point of dropping him yet, though. He's still 87% rostered. The masses are still holding on, and I would tend to agree with them there. I don't think you're going to find that many better options here available. Even if you could switch him out for a guy like a George Kirby there, I don't know that I would be doing that necessarily. Blake Snell, if he is dropped, then he is the most valuable guy you're going to find on the wire. Jesus Lazardo, he did pretty well. He allowed two earned runs over seven innings yesterday. I don't really understand why he was dropped. I guess people were just trying to stream him in. He gets the raise at home next time. I don't I don't really understand this. Uh, I, I was talking about him a little bit yesterday about I felt bad for the way his season has gone. He started off really strong. He missed the vast majority with injuries. And then he came back and he wasn't quite as hot as we thought he was going to be. So a lot of people kind of moved on. And I think that that's generally the way that it was going to play out regardless of an injury or not. I think that he was going to regress from that first couple of starts we saw. He's still somebody who can have some pitch and value here. We saw it yesterday, yes. Oakland in the Coliseum. It's a recipe for a good start. But seven innings, four, uh, two earned runs, four strikeouts, that's totally doable. It's obviously not going to blow you away. But I don't think there's a massive need to be dropping him over his last 30 innings, 28 strikeouts, a 267 ERA, and a .86 whip. Obviously, wins are going to be very hard to come by. But I don't think that he is somebody that you should be dropping. George Kirby is the next most dropped player and I really need to take a deep breath here because I don't understand it. It's literally like you make, it makes you want to pull your hair out. Why? Why are people dropping George Kirby? The only possible explanation is maybe in an 8 or a 10-team league, they streamed him in in a very highly competitive uh, playoff matchup for yesterday. And it's a league where they literally have like unlimited ads and they just need to be constantly adding pitchers. That's the only possible reasonable explanation for dropping Kirby today. He is one of my highest priority ads across all of fantasy. He might be number one if I were to list him out. It makes no sense to drop him. It really, truly makes no sense. I do not agree at all there. I'd be holding on to really all of these top three guys being dropped today. Snell, Lazardo, and Kirby. I don't get it. Uh, people are, maybe they're just into their playoff matchup and they're doing desperate things. But I, even that, that's a little too desperate for me, I think, regardless of where you are. It's the first week of the playoffs if you are in the playoffs. I, I think that's a little bit too desperate. Personally, I'd be holding on to these guys unless there's really no choice. But I think there's, there's always a choice here.
Brett Beatty has continued to struggle a little bit, and he has been dropped now. He was up over 40% rostered. He was up at 44 last week. Now he's down to 30, or even 44 at the beginning of this week, I think. Now he's down to 30. In his big league career so far, he's four for 27. He scored three times. He's hit the home run, uh, knocked in four. A 148 batting average is certainly not going to cut it for a lot of people now. I had preached patience and caution here. I think that you can probably start to think about moving on if you are already in your playoffs, if you're in a shallower kind of league where you picked him up speculatively. Yeah, I mean, deeper leagues, I'd still probably hold on if you're in a 15-team league. There's not going to be that many greater options, I don't think. I'd probably hold on there, but uh, I'm starting to I'm starting to come around to the idea that maybe he's going to need another season to get under his belt here before he really has any kind of fantasy value. It looked uh, off the top here with that first game home run that he was going to be someone who was a stud off the top, but uh, it's been a bit of a rough go for him. I'm for the most part I'm pretty okay with dropping uh, Brett Beatty. Let's talk about one more drop, and that's John Birdie. He's not being dropped by so many teams. It's just over 500 today, but I think we're getting to the point where we need to really talk about him because it's been a while since we've got into John Birdie here on the show. He has been an absolute champion, king of stolen bases this season. He has 30 of them in 230 at-bats. The batting average has been all right at 263. He scored 33 runs. He even hit a couple of dingers. He had a crazy stretch there where it was, it was really one of the more exciting points of the season. It was just checking to see if John Birdie stole a base on any given day. And there was a good few weeks there where if you put a bet down on John Birdie stealing a base, the odds are that you won some money. We have gotten to the point, though, with John Birdie where he really does not have that much value. He might be able to get you the odd steal, sure. Uh, over his last 40 at-bats, he has a couple of steals, nine hits, one RBI, one run. That was my main worry with John Birdie earlier in the season is that if the steals do dry up, he's like 32, 33 years old. It's not like he's like, you know, 20 years old, all the energy in the world. He's a little bit older. Not that he has so much wear and tear on the body. He's not been a guy who's played long seasons in his career. He's usually, I think, I think his most games played is like 85 games or something like that. But the big worry was always if the steals dry up, where are you going to get production out of John Birdie? And the answer is nowhere. He doesn't really do anything else for you besides the steals. Like I said, the average has been okay, 263, nothing to really get so excited about. Still better than average at this point. I think the average this season across baseball is like 240 or something, which is a little little depressing. But John Birdie, for me, uh, I'm, I'm pretty okay to drop him across most formats. If you want to still hold on in a deeper league or maybe you still need some desperation steals at the end here in Roto, I'm all right to hold on here, but... For the most part, I think we're going to be starting to get ready to drop John Birdie, if you haven't already. He's down to 65% rostered. At this point, he's I'm not going to say he's a liability, but he's, he's, he's getting close to being a liability. He really has not done so much for you guys recently. Let's talk about some matchups today. Now, like I said, we're really not talking about such a great day where I think there's eight games today, nine games today. Yeah, nine games, and the matchups are fairly mediocre. My favorite one might be the Toronto-Boston, Kevin Gosman and Cutter Crawford there. Gosman has obviously been ridiculous this season, and you don't really see it so much in the stats. He's 9-9 with a 2.99 ERA, but he's one of the leaders in the independent fielding metrics, uh, FIP, XFIP, and those, those things. So kind of remove the defense around you. It just looks at the quality of your pitches, and Gosman has been one of the more quality pitch throwers this season. That splitter is really a thing to behold. 
he's a lot better, honestly, than this 299 ERA suggests. So I'm going to be really looking forward to a good start here again from Kevin Gosman against Boston. He has dominated Boston. I think it's four starts this year every time with at least eight strikeouts. He's really done a great job against them. So that should be fun. Cutter Crawford on the other side. He's a lot better than what the numbers might suggest as well. He has a 514 ERA and a 130 whip. A couple of bad outings have really inflated that, specifically last time out against Baltimore. Nine earned runs, three homers uh, in three and two-thirds. Not good stuff from him, but he should bounce back a little bit here against the Blue Jays. Uh, hopefully, well, hopefully for me he doesn't because I love my Blue Jays. I'm hoping we get into the playoffs here. Hopefully we jump over the Yankees for the division lead. That's That would be great. I don't think it'll be quite that bad that he'll give up nine earned runs again. I think we're probably going to be looking at somewhere in the range of maybe three earned runs for Cutter Crawford. I think that overall this is one of the better matchups that we have tonight. It's really a thin night, guys. I mean, Jacob deGrom is pitching against Colorado here at home. It's probably going to be a very interesting start for him. Colorado has been in their home park now for, I think, a week or so. Now deGrom gets them away from there. I would take whatever bet you can get on deGrom strikeouts. It's probably the over is like, probably have to take it over nine and a half or something like that. But I think that he's going to absolutely dominate. So that one is worth watching just for the sake of Jacob deGrom there. And other than that, maybe you'd look at, take a look at James, uh, Jameson Tyone and James Caprellian over there at Yankees and Athletics. But we're really grasping at straws here for, for great matchups tonight. My recommendation is probably to watch Gosman and Crawford. Well, that's probably what I'm going to be watching uh, as well as the deGrom. And, I mean, on the other side, you got Ryan Feltner there, who is definitely the worst pitcher I will highlight this season in terms of a matchup. But I think that just goes to show you um, the greatness of deGrom where he is – worth the price of admission alone based on what he's done this season, based on what he's done in his entire career, really, not just this season. But 23 and a third so far this year, 37 Ks, one walk. Oh, man. Like, it's just, you look forward to Jacob deGrom starts. I wish I had him in a couple of leagues, but I just stayed away in draft season. I think I've told you guys this many times. I'm more cautious. I have no Tatis and no deGrom this season. I did draft Adalberto Modesty just to show you how cautious I really am. But I tried to stay away from those guys who were hurt to begin the season. I kind of wish I had picked up at least a share or two of DeGrom. But anyway, guys, that will wrap it up for us here today. We'll be back again tomorrow. We'll take a look at some weekend streamers, as we typically do. And we actually did pretty well last weekend in our weekend streamers. So we'll hope to replicate that now as we enter into the playoffs. If you guys are not already following me over on Twitter, it's at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Also, go ahead and follow Ethos Fantasy BB. That's E-T-H-O-S, Fantasy BB. That's where all of our baseball stuff is posted out from. Not just my own content, but we are bringing on other people who are going to start producing more content. We have a couple of in-house people who do the odd baseball thing here and there. As well as myself, I focus solely on baseball. But there will be more people coming in producing content. So go ahead and follow at Ethos Fantasy BB so you guys get all of those podcasts, articles, and everything else as soon as they are released. That will do it, guys. We'll see you again tomorrow. I hope everybody has a great night. Cheers. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon.